You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul explains that in the Bible, Israel is chosen by the flip of a coin, demonstrating that it is no different than the other nations. The story shows that any one of the nations, like Israel, would have made the same mistakes. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. Okay, we'll proceed. But again, to my hearers, Father Mark made a comment. I heard it a couple of weeks ago that he calls you listeners and then he adds, as Father Paul refers to you as hearers. So please, I would like you not to be readers, but hearers and writers, meaning please take notes. I know that most of you, and that's the idea, listen while you are in the car and so on, which is good because one has to hear it the first time and follow the movement of the text, as I keep saying. But then again, you know, it's a detailed study and because most of you do not know Hebrew, I would like you to take notes later on and review it for yourselves. Ultimately, as I invite you in all my books, especially the last one, that you will have to decide, otherwise you are under my boot, and I don't want you to be under my boot. We are all under the boot of Scripture, and thus we have to make an extra effort and not end up by endorsing the explanation or the theology of someone Allah likes, I like, thumb up, and so on, because it's nice, it, it touches your heart or your mind or it reminds you of your grandmother, and so on. So please, let's make the effort as much as possible. In my book, The Rise of Scripture, and thereafter in my podcast series, Tarazi Tuesdays, I contend that Genesis 1 through 4, those chapters reflect the entire scriptural message in a compact nutshell, and that Genesis chapters 1 through 11 is the expanded compact version of the entire scripture. It revisits 1 through 4 and expands it, while the rest of scripture, that is the expanded story of the descendants of Abram the Hebrew, functions merely, and this is against what theology keeps telling you, as a coin-flipping example of one of the totality of nations covered already in Genesis 10. You know, Abraham is the descendant of Shem. By coin-flipping, I mean the opposite of what we hear in theology. Israel is the chosen people of God. The church in the New Testament are the chosen people of God. Now, chosen, I have nothing against it. But to understand chosen as something special 
in the sense of superior and otherwise, not even superior, otherwise than the others, is not allowed in Scripture. The thesis, you heard it so many times from me, let me repeat it here, is that the specific people the scripture story is dealing with in detail is chosen by coin flipping. Namely, God in the first 11 chapters shows that there is no hope with humanity once, twice, thrice, repeatedly. I mean, the people go back to where they were before the flood when they get to after the flood. And then obviously we hearers get frustrated. I mean, you keep telling us again and again and again the same thing that you're worth nothing. So God decides to say, look, I'm going to flip the coin and whatever nation comes up, I'm going to spend the rest of scriptures, which is book after book after book after book, and I'm going to show you that at the end, we go back to Genesis 11 with the building of the tower. And, okay? But with this, he is just showing us that we are definitely hopeless. And our hope should be only in God and his promise for us. And that's why, and this is something I stress, Scripture asks us not to follow the example of the fathers, which is against the grain for us. Don't do as they did. And he asked the fathers, especially in Psalm 78, to teach God's teaching to the following generations. So please, I need you to keep this in mind, to understand what's going on in Scripture, and not begin with an non-scriptural premise, extra-scriptural premise, and then find it, because you're going to find two, three sentences that sound somehow okay with your thesis. And most of the books and the papers are like that. You have a topic, you look for 12 books to read, and 15 quotations to use, and then you make your theory. I'm inviting you, and I was asked to review these chapters 1 through 11. Now, Terah, Abram's father, is the concluder of the Toledot of Shem, who is one of Noah's sons. As I said earlier, Abram is not something special outside the realm of chapters 1 through 11. The author's intentionality of considering the scripture in Israel not so much as a per se special nation, but rather just one example pointed out by God in order to show that any nation would have behaved similarly. That's why Paul addresses the Gentiles in Romans 9 to 11 by asking them, actually, by telling them not to be cocky and look down at the scripture in Israel, because ultimately they are no better. So, scripture shows that any nation 
would have behaved similarly, not abiding by God's will for it, the nation. That is evident in the author's blatant omission of referencing Abram's story as a Toledot. Let's get back to that central term. We have the Toledot of Adam. We have the Toledot of Noah. We have the Toledot of the three sons of Noah. And we have specifically the Toledot of Shem. And even Terah has a Toledot. But the funny thing is that we have to wait later until Ishmael and Isaac and Jacob and Esau to hear that word Toledot. You see what we do is just since Abraham had children, what's the difference? Well, the difference is that scripture says what it wants to say. And thus the story of Abraham until Isaac and Ishmael is subsumed literature-wise under the Toledot of Terah, which is fantastic. You have to ask yourself why and then give your answer. I have no problem with that. But what I do not allow people to do in my presentation, I mean, they can do whatever they want, is to say, well, it's obvious if he had sons that he has generations and so on. That's not the point. The point is how the text deals with that. And I believe it goes hand in hand by saying that it doesn't matter. <laughs> there is no specificity. But his story is rather a sad episode. Toledot in the story of the nations. And I spoke enough earlier on Terah, meaning sadness, something sad. Okay? It's reflective in the immediate story that he had three sons. One died already in Ur of the Chaldeans. Abram, the main proponent, his wife was barren. And only the third one had a son, Lot. And I repeatedly tell the people, you know, it's obvious your reaction is to say that the story is going to continue through Lot. And lo and behold, it doesn't work that way in scripture. Okay, it goes against your expectations and we have to get used to that. I keep repeating it, that scripture sets you up to fall. I know it sounds irking. Scripture sets you up to fall so that the glory be only unto God. And you would ask for his mercy because you're no better than anyone else when you look around you and you say, but everybody is falling. Remember the story of Elijah. Only I remain. We are all little Elijahs. But Elijah is no good man. He's sent like the British royalty. They send them a chariot to tell them we had enough of you. And then he gives his mantle to Elisha. So, really, let's keep hearing scripture the way it is. 
And this is, as I said, the avowedly sole purview of scripture. Okay? So, in 1127, we have the Toledot of Terah. The omission of the story of Abram as his Toledot. So remember, the story of Abram is within the Toledot of Terah. Unlike Adam and Noah. So. so the omission of the story of Abram as his own Toledot will even be shown to be more blatant when the hearer will hear of the successive Toledot of Isaac and Jacob and even of Ishmael and Esau that are considered somehow outsiders. And as I mentioned earlier, you can check on that. You have long chapters telling you about the names of all the descendants of Ishmael and Esau. In other words, Abram's progeny is a stand-in for any and all nations mentioned in Genesis 10, as is intimated in the promise of blessing of Genesis 12:2, that harks back to Genesis 10 and 11, chapters 10 and 11. Let's hear it. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who curses you I will curse. And by you all the families of the earth shall bless themselves. This is Genesis 12, 2, 3. Okay? You have the blessing and through Abraham the blessing of all the families. Mishpachot. Very important. Very often we hear peoples or nations. No, the original has mishpahot. Well, let's go back to 10, 31 and 32. Let's go to 10 verses. I'm going to read verses 5 and 20 and then 31 and 32. For your ears, from these the coastland people spread these are the sons of Japheth in their lands, each with his own language, by their families in their nations. Notice how the word families precedes nations. This is 10.5. 10.20. These are the sons of Ham, by their families, their languages, their lands, and their nations. Notice how the first item is families. And 31-32, these are the sons of Shem by their families, their languages, their lands, and their nations. And one more time, these are the families of the sons of Noah. So you have Japheth, Ham, Shem, and once more the three together, and again families is the first word according to their genealogies in their nations, and from these the nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. Okay? So, we have both words, goi or goim, which is going to be heard in 
12 too, I will make of you a great nation. So we hear the word going. So this text is intelligent. It links these two verses entirely to chapter 10. But in both cases, the blessing goes to the families, which is the main term or noun or word that is used in chapter 10. And we should get used to that and not say, well, you know, families, nations, people, it's the same thing. It's not the same thing. Because you're going to hear it according to the will of the author, not according to your will. Then in 9, 26, 27, we hear, he also said, blessed by the Lord my God be Shem, and let Canaan be his slave. These are the words of Noah. God enlarged Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his slave. So the blessing actualizes itself in the people entering into the tents of Shem. So the blessing starts already before Abraham. So the blessing that Abraham receives is already a blessing that is there before. And before Shem, remember, you can go all the way back to chapter 1. And again, theology likes to say that, yeah, we have the blessing of the bread and the blessing of wine and the blessing of the child and the blessing of the new building and so on. God has one blessing. Okay, he's an old man, he's tired, read Daniel, you know, white hair and so on. You can't go around and throw in blessings. Okay, we have to be very careful to hear it the way it is. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.